Innovating Cosmos is a growing global community of hands-on and would-be innovators designed to share ideas and resources, to network, collaborate and to innovate, to make the world through innovating a far better place for all. Welcome to Episode 3 of this Innovating Cosmos podcast series. I'm Peter Letts. If there's one truth that's becoming blindingly clear as our world changes, it's that innovation is here to stay, and it's gaining momentum at, for some, a frightening pace. And those who turn a blind eye to the disruptive forces around us will end up paying a heavy price. But what's powering the new innovative mindset? Welcome to the world of the millennials. Their refreshing approach to the changing world and the way in which they work together to achieve that is in stark contrast to the more combative, self-serving ways of the past, They want to do good in the world to improve lives and they'll happily collaborate to achieve their aims. In the words of Conan Young, that's just the way it is. Conan is a smart young millennial who has placed himself right in the heart of the innovation space. With bachelor degrees in economics and finance and masters in entrepreneurship, innovation and psychology, Conan is an innovation economist and he's also a founding member of the Innovating Cosmos. This week, Conan joins Innovating Cosmos founder Neville Christie to explore the compelling reasons why we should innovate and why now. Speaking with Heather Dawson, they look at seven big reasons for an innovation boom right now. We may not get through them all this week, but let's make a start. The first reason is all to do with the amazing new global platforms that surround us these days. So in what ways is the digital world facilitating innovation? Conan Young takes the running on that question. One of the things that I think is really cool about the moment is that technology is living up to its promise of democratising innovation itself. And what does that mean? That basically means that it's for the people. And that's really what's happening. Anyone can get access to all of the powerful tools that were once probably um, left to some of the big companies or government or or just some of the um, people with access to a greater uh, depth of resources. Now, all this stuff is available to us, to anyone. So... Things like uh, walking around with a supercomputer in your hand in the smartphone or um, being able to go order on the internet if you wanted to a genetic test to, to find out your lineage. Very, very deep. There's so many ways in which new platforms now are emerging to give us the tools and the power, the magic that was once totally unavailable to us. And Neville, it's exciting times too because you say innovation builds on innovation and disruption to the status quo yep. will reach every corner of our existence as well. Goodness me, what's really happening? <laughs> when I was a kid, um, we used to have comics with Scrooge McDuck. I used to love these. And he was a multi, multi squillionaire. And he had this amazing mansion and he had a pool. And the pool was always full of notes, dollars. And he'd put on his bathing swimming costume and he'd, he'd dive into this pool of money. And and I see the world a bit like that now, like that there's this pool of opportunities uh, that we can dive into. And some of them are financial money uh, type opportunities, but many are just about uh, social welfare, social good. And I find that, you know, really, really exciting. Um, but just to continue on that, Neville, how are, are people diving in? How are people responding to this um, wave of innovation going on around the world? As I look around the world, and particularly as I look at innovation, I think there are at least seven major ways that people are dealing with disruption, with change, with the tsunamis that are, that are occurring, uh, not just physical tsunamis, but others. The first is, of course, people flee or fight. Uh, but the, the third one is we're seeing people just simply bunker down and hope 
hope that it will all go away. A fourth is from Rollo May, a psychologist. He said it's an age-old habit of human beings to run faster when we've lost our way. So running faster is, is the next one. And the opposite of that, slowing down, you know, just saying, oh, I'm tired, this is too hard, I don't know what to do, I better retire, I better sell my business or whatever and move on. But the final two are really adapt, like the chameleon. We say, look, the environment's changed, so we need to change. And the last one, the seventh one, is transformation, to actually transform. So I'm seeing all of those seven types of behaviour occurring. And, of course, innovating is about the last two, is about adapting to the changes and transforming ourselves, our organisation, our behaviour, our products, our services, our ideas. Well, getting back to the seven compelling reasons why we should all be innovating now, reason two in this... um list of reasons, concerns new concepts, new needs, new markets. Conan, can you give us some examples of new ideas that you're seeing that are changing the way we do and see things? Well, it's funny you should say how we see things, actually, because you've heard of virtual reality. That's a concept that's been around for a while, since the, the 80s, I think, actually. Well, forget that, because now the thing of the moment is augmented reality. Now, what augmented reality is, it's a technology that actually enriches our real world in real time by adding digital information and media to our real life view. So it gives us a familiar and natural way to interact with our environment with overlays of of new and critical digital tools. Now, um, currently there's a number of powerful augmented reality platforms that are coming out of of the works. We were talking about platforms before. This is a great example. Two of which are the Microsoft HoloLens and the Daiquiri. Basically, both technologies are lightweight headsets that interface with software to give us ultra-high performance augmented reality applications, such as with engineering, diagnostics, and 3D design, etc. So imagine, um, say, an aircraft repairman peering into the uh, Boeing engine in the hangar, and at the same time as he's doing that, he can clearly see a list of all the maintenance tasks, so you might feel a little bit safer knowing that they're looking directly at the problems with all these cool new tools uh, at their disposal. But also imagine a system that removes our fears of the surgeon leaving a pair of forceps inside (laughs) our guts on the operating table. I think we've all sort of worried about that if we've ever had surgery, you know, is he going to close me up properly? But yeah, so with augmented reality, these things are changing. And actually, there's a company now called Touch Surgery. Now, they're known for making uh, little training tools that have been available on on, on phones and um, um, tablets, etc., for, for training surgeons. Now, they're using the Daiquiri and the HoloLens to bring these augmented reality tools in real time for the surgeons in the operating theatre. It's amazing. But despite all that, um, Conan, do you come up against uh, many entrenched views or systems that are hard to break? What do you say to those that are either indifferent to or opposed to change? Well... If I can speak as a millennial at this point, speak freely. Yeah, (laughs) of which you are one. Is of which I am one. There's two sides to to what I see at the moment, and um, they're both about hope in some respects. On one side, there's a kind of unfortunately, there's a hopelessness on one side of this. There's there's a sense, there's almost a paranoia growing amongst um, younger people that there's so many big problems and they are so deeply entrenched that there is nothing that we as individuals can necessarily do about it. And this is actually contradicting. It's very paradoxical. At the same time, there is a hope emerging. There's kind of a sense amongst uh, younger people that there is a sort of a global consciousness emerging that everyone sort of knows we're all in it together, that there's this web of change occurring, even if we aren't individually that particular particularly powerful in it. So 
I, I think that there's a lot of deeply entrenched um, poor ideas that are that are keeping people from getting together and actually lifting themselves off the couch and doing something about it. But at the same time, there's an undercurrent of a of a knowledge of a need for change and that something will change. I think that we're at this sort of critical, a liminal point where perhaps all that's needed is time. And eventually enough, the, the moving from the hopeless hand to the hopeful hand, eventually they're going to meet in the, in the centre. So um, there is a deep entrenchment of all sorts of old school values that are holding us back in some respect. What I'm concerned about personally is that from my generation, that, that paranoia sometimes leads into, instead of looking for solutions, looking into, into ideas like deep conspiracy and thinking that, you know, Big Brother is actually out to get us and, um, you know, the Rothschilds control uh, your breakfast cereal, you know, et cetera, et cetera, that there is nothing we can do about it. And that, that worries me. But I think time will show us that it's all going to change. And I think one of the things we all could do and probably need to do is start thinking about the lessons of the previous generation and not throw the baby out with the bathwater not forget the lessons of, of yesterday and the day before and find ways to build a bridge between older wisdom and what we have to work with today with our newer growing global consciousness. Right. That's well, pretty heady stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the list, Neville. <laughs> Reason three is that uh, innovation is no longer contained to business, products, services and technologies. It can apply at every level of life. So... What do you mean by that? And can you give us some examples? Yes. Um, I don't think really that innovating has ever been totally restricted to business or technology or services or products. Uh, that That's something that's grown up as a stereotype. The role of innovating is to take a difficulty, a pain, a problem and turn it into an opportunity and make it make it better. So like, for example, uh, where we have pain, we have hurt, we have dysfunction, malfunction, breakdown, obsolescence, tension, they're all areas for innovation. And of course, when we look around, these things are occurring in absolutely every human domain, in the home, in marriages, in the temples, in church, in government, the arts, education, workplaces, cities, you name it. Uh, so there's such a fantastic seedbed for for opportunities and for Scrooge to be diving into the uh, opportunity pool. One of the things that I'd really like to draw on is a quote by Einstein. Einstein said, imagination is more important than knowledge, for knowledge is limited, whereas imagination embraces the whole world, stimulating progress, giving birth to evolution. And we are at a time where we can exercise an enormous amount of imagination. It involves a wider definition of product, oh, yes. Neville, you yes. say. That's your reason for, yes. uh, for uh, the reasons why we should innovate now. Yes. Where does that really take us in terms of innovation? A great question. And uh, I'd like to just sort of put that in a context. Um, really, three of the mindsets or the, the, the differences that innovating or innovators bring is that, first of all, we question and change basically all givens. Whatever a given exists, we change that, we question that, so including mindsets. Secondly, we actually redefine and reclassify our world. So words matter. The definitions we give to things really matter. And thirdly, we think holistically. It's always... And what else, what else, what else, what else, rather than drilling down and breaking things up into their parts. So when we have a very narrow definition of product, you know, it's something solid and tangible, 
then that limits our opportunities. But for example, if we take this definition of, of product, product is any good in inverted commas, idea, object, information, insight, know-how, wisdom, system, process, method, we keep going, uh, tool, technology, intellectual property, service or gold that is created by a process, has tangible and intangible benefits and serves a human needs or satisfies a want. As soon as we take that much more comprehensive definition of product, it opens up a huge world of opportunity. We've changed the mindset. If I could uh, just sort of add to that, and, and I know Conan might have some examples here, but for example, in changing our mindsets as innovators, uh, what if we said, look, as which is true, that one of the biggest markets in the world that's unserviced is the market of the poor, the disadvantaged, the impoverished, the homeless. That's a market. It's a massive market. What happens when we do that, Conan? Well, um, I think everyone wants to be in the market for kindness. Everyone wants to be a giver in some way, shape or form. Um, it, it breaks my heart, absolutely crushes me when I see, you know, the, the great number of homeless people we have hither and thither on the street. And I, I can see people pass them by a lot of the time. And there's a hesitation, but th- sometimes there's just, there's no action. And I understand that there is there are barriers to, to being involved in the market for kindness um, for this big, nitty group of the poor. But actually, there's a company called GiveSafe. They've developed a technology where they pair a, a thing they call a beacon, a little device that they can give to, to home, give out to homeless people with an app that uh, anyone can download. And when you walk past on the street or, or wherever you are, past someone in need who has one of these beacons, it notifies you at your phone and you immediately get given the option, can you donate a dollar, two dollars, or have the option to learn a bit more about this person's story. And I think that this is a, a genius idea. It's very simple because it tears down some of these barriers to giving. Firstly, it's sometimes it's unreachable to be able to give. Sometimes you don't have money in your pocket. Sometimes it's just too much for, for the average person to walk down the street and make themselves vulnerable like that. So a technology like that, it's very simple, just changes that game and, and gets people into the market for kindness. Doesn't that illustrate, Neville, what we were talking about in the last episode of this podcast series about the different ethos working amongst millennials now compared with how things were in the old days? Oh, yes. Such a big change, uh, really. And and to uh, put Conan under the hammer again, like when I was going to universities, universities were physical places, like they were campuses, you attend lectures, usually boring, you got numb at one end and dumb at the other, uh, and and tutorials. So they're very physical places. But of course... Now, click, 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 change of a mindset. Universities can be global, they can be on the internet, and they can be networked. So what are you seeing there? Well, yeah, I mean, I've got like a million degrees and they aren't necessarily (laughs) serving me uh, the way I need them to necessarily. (laughs) But And I'm so happy that today there is all around the world, some of the best universities, I think Stanford's a great example, they're, they're putting so much of their content. You can actually do full courses and have um, do assignments and have be marked and be part of group class discussions, all for free. They're putting some of their most important content out there in the world. And quite a few universities are sort of doing this and following suit. And now um, we were talking about platforms. There's platforms that aggregate this all together and make it very easy. You can go in and just search for the, the topic of interest and be taught by Harvard professors and, and Stanford professors all in one go. So yeah, the, the, the networked environment is, is revolutionising high-level education with that, and it doesn't cost a cent. And very disruptive to the institutions <laughs> that don't want oh, to change. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So another one, 
it's easy for me to remember what the millennials are because this is the year 2017 and typically the youngest millennial is 17. Add 20 on to that, you get 37. So, uh, and next year it'll be 18 to 38. So it's, it's fairly easy for me to remember. But you're a millennial. Yes. Uh, and um, many of us are seeing that you are our future. You're creating our future and you are our future. So, No pressure. <laughs> Any reaction to that? Yeah, and we are and and we aren't because we still, as like I was saying before, there is a, a bridge to build between one generation and the next. There's no act in isolation. But the way the way we as as a, as a market behave, as a group of people behave, we we respond to fairness and transparency and and ideas like that. We know when we're being taken for a ride. We might not necessarily act on it yet, but we know what's going on. And I think. It's not a like a social good example, but as simple as the way the recording industry has um, had to change its had to flip itself on on its head, um, trying to sell uh, you know albums all in one go to people and trying to force that down the tube hasn't necessarily worked anymore. But when they worked out that you could sell a track a song for about a dollar on the internet, people would buy that. Piracy goes right down, and that's that's a, a good example about. How I suppose our generation, although we might not necessarily be all aware of our values, you can look in the aggregate and see like values like that, values like fairness coming out because the MP3 game changed that, and industries are having to change based on these emerging uh, younger person's values to make today's world work, which ultimately is going to be a model for how tomorrow could work if we start to follow these natural trends that that are emerging at the moment. On that note, we've run out of time for this session and we've still got lots to get through in this list of compelling reasons to be innovating now. So, so let's continue next week, shall we, and pick up on reason five on the list, which is all to do with the big, hairy problems of the world. But big problems create big opportunities in the innovation space, so it's going to be good. That's Heather Dawson with Conan Young and Neville Christie. So in next week's episode, we'll continue the discussion, the issue of breaking institutions in this increasingly disruptive world and the new important spirit of collaboration and the role of innovation in solving the big problems of the world. Because as we know, big problems present big opportunities. This is one of the greatest opportunities we have now because the immensity of some of these problems are really a call to arms and really are actually shifting things. So looking at climate change, looking at the water shortage, looking at the looming energy crisis, looking at the deforestation, how do we change these things is the big question. That's stimulating such good minds to come out of the woodwork and really look at these things. Conan Young again. And next week, we'll look at some innovations which are making a difference. So tune in for more Conan and Neville next week. Until then, I'm Peter Letts. Thanks for listening. Innovating Cosmos is a global community of hands-on and would-be innovators designed to share ideas and resources, to network, collaborate and to innovate, to make the world, through innovating, a far better place for all.